And welcome everybody to episode 159 of the Outside Centre Fun podcast. Ben, yeah, this yeah. is always, I think, hand on heart, the episode each and every year that we're together that I look forward to the most. I think we, we, yes, we think about this one quite a lot. We do. Um, and actually, it's the one we have less choice in, ironically enough. Um, we'll get onto that in a minute. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Scandinavia. It, you, you may listen to us throughout the year and think, do they actually agree on anything? And you're probably right, we don't. But we do have our shared DNA with Scandinavian films. We both love all Scandinavian films. Yes. Not every Scandinavian film, because that would be ridiculous. But all countries from that part of the world, we've got, we, we, we love all that stuff. We, we, are, we are big fans of it. So, eagle-eyed and eagle-eared listeners will know that we tend to do all of the Nordic Film Council nominations. Nordic Film Council Award... One of the most prestigious awards in, uh, in in European cinema, definitely in Scandinavian cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, the prize isn't that much, but to be named best film of Scandinavia for the year, when you've got all that rivalry and competition going on, is a hell of a thing, Ben. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But good news and bad news, while we're not doing all of the 2022 Nordic Film Council nominations this year, firstly, because we've already covered some of them earlier on in the year, and we'll, we- we'll mention those as we go along. Um and secondly, because one of them in particular is not out yet. So, simple as that. So, what we've done is we've uh, scoured and, and just gone on a search and found ones that have won stuff. Yeah. Or or we just fancied watching for different reasons. So, each and every hand-picked movie here has a reason for being here. And uh, as a final point, Ben, before we get going, mm-hmm. uh, we're both in agreement that this selection of uh, Nordic films is better than last year's episode of the same name. I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So uh, that's a lot more positivity. Although, don't worry, folks, for those of you that like me to have a bit of a whinge, that will come in time. But uh, right then, so let's start off with, in alphabetical order, the Danish film in this list. Now, again, it needs a slight explanation because Persona Non Grata, which is directed by Lisa Jespersen, is not the Nordic Film Council 2022 nomination from Denmark. That would be Godland, I believe it's called, from Hilo Palmerson. Hilo Palmerson. Hilo Palmerson. And uh, we, I think we both want to watch that one because he oh, did man. Winter Brothers. That was our film of the year a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so we want to do that, but it's not out yet. No. Not out yet. So what can we do? We're, instead, we've gone with Persona Non Grata, which won both the Bodil Award and the Robert Award. In other words, it means both the Danish film critics and the Danish film audience love this movie. So if not the Nordic Film Council nomination, Ben, then there is no other Danish film for us to to review otherwise. So perfect choice. So as I said, Persona Non Grata, directed by Lisa Jespersen. The film is a comedy drama about a young woman, Alina, who has distanced herself from her family in the country to settle in Copenhagen as an author and live the artistic bohemian life she has always dreamed of. When she, with much reluctance, goes back home for her brother's wedding, she realises that he is about to marry Alina's childhood enemy, Katrine. At the same time, Alina finds out that Katrine has in fact taken over her place in the family patriarchal pyramid. Mm -hmm. What will transpire? Will Laura aim to get her place in her family back? Will she be able to rekindle the relationships with her family? And what is the relationship going to be like with her soon-to-be new family member, Katrine, who used to bully her when she was a child? So, yes, 
Bodil Award winner, Robert Award winner, which means both the film critics and the audience loved it. I'm not going to complete the hat trick, Ben, by awarding it Film of the Month. <laughs> no surprise. But I am going to recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's not a great film. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a decent to middling good film. Yeah. Uh, two big things going on in this movie that I want people to pay attention to, with as few spoilers as possible, because each and every vignette that happens in this film, at, at the film adds to the whole thing. Uh, the first thing to talk about is obviously the title, Persona Non Grata, which translates as person not welcome. But this film asks you, Ben, which person isn't welcome? Ooh. The person that changes... The, the person that's not welcome actually changes throughout this movie, and that's really, yeah. really subtly done. Sometimes mm. it's Alina. Sometimes mm. it's Katrine. Sometimes it's Alina's boyfriend called Benjamin, yep. Yep. who's a problematic character in this movie. I'm sure we'll come yeah. on to him later. Um, but the film does a nice job of constantly chopping and changing who actually is the person that isn't welcome in any particular scene or any particular scenario. So mm. I really like that about the film. Mm. The other thing, the much bigger thing, the much more in-your-face thing, is urban versus rural Denmark. Yeah. Um, Alina, as I said, has ostracised herself at the top of this. Um, in fact, Ben, what we need to say is she's Alina, but she used to have a different name. She's she's Arena, and she used to be Laura. Laura. Correct. So yeah. she's changed her name. She's changed her hair as well, which becomes a big issue. Um, yeah. She literally wanted to rid herself of her entire previous rural existence. Um, in fact, she does an interview where she literally talks about her rural upbringing, and that comes back later on in the film, does it not, Ben? As a really important scene, such a painful scene. Yeah. It's, a, it's a incredibly, it's a weighty Scandinavian family sitting around on a sofa scene. Yeah, um, which we know about from the Dogma Days, of course, which is marvelous. Yep. So, yes, the film sticks with this theme of urban versus rural throughout. The haircut is a thing that continues for a while. There's obviously the reference to the bullying. Yeah, that Alina clearly associates not just with the person Katrine, but also the rural lifestyle and yes. rural attitudes, like the inequalities and stuff like that. Um, boyfriend Benjamin, oh. who, to be frank, is a total asshole in this movie. Oh, much. He is from <laughs> Jutland, um, and you can see how he's triggered by the rural environment. Um, him being there because you can because t- he also is Copenhagen. He's from Jutland, which is obviously. Also rural. Yeah. So he's coming back to so he's um yeah, he was rural now he's he's urban as well. So he's coming back to it just just like Alina's coming back to it as well. Mm. So the both of them are suffering in inverted commas through this transition, going back to the countryside. Mm. Um so yeah, that there's lots going on in that. There's lots and lots of little things that I won't spoil and don't want to spoil. Um okay. with plenty of hypocrisy as well, Ben. Yes. There's actually commentary about it. Like even Alina's behaviour herself contradicts her own beliefs. Yes. Um, none more so when she starts impersonating disabled people at a party. Um, and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's all going on in this movie. Um, so yeah, what I like the end message of this film being is that the only way for Denmark to survive is basically for the both sides of Denmark to come together. Yes. Um, you know, that's obviously the macro thing. But the way this film goes about it is doing it via the family, which of course is the micro thing. Yes. Uh, the family unit sticks together, sorts out its differences one way or another, and that pretty much is the film. Uh-huh. So I've given you all two reasons why I like the film, but now I'm going to give you two reasons why I didn't love the film, because that's very important as well. Um, I've explained big picture, little picture stuff already, mm. but ultimately, Ben, when all is said and done, mm. again, as spoiler-free as possible, 
It's two people coming together at a wedding, and yep. that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yep. Um, there's a lot of film that happens before then. <laughs> and in real life, one would think that one would come together way before the wedding would happen. Yep. Um, but it's a movie, of course, so things aren't quite exactly the same as life would go. So it's very, very filmic in that way. And it's very filmic the way it happens towards the end. Yes. And it's very filmic that it's almost, I say almost happily ever after, because it pretty much is, apart from maybe the very, funny. very final scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which again is approved and it's a thumbs up and it's a little bit of nuance that I didn't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, it's a quite a padded out film. You know what's going to happen. You pretty much know that the inevitable result of all of this and it does go that way. So didn't love that about it. Mm. The other reason I liked the film but didn't love the film is is what I've just said as well. It actually reminds me too much of Suzanne Beer then. Oh, okay. She's very much of this kind of, let's tie most things up in a relatively predictable, family audience-friendly way. Okay. Wrapping a bow on it, and dare I say, happy ending. Now, again, not 100% there with that here. There's a little bit going on elsewhere that makes me think, oh, maybe it's not so happy after all. But ultimately, ultimately, yes, it is a happy ending. Yes. And, you know, the Danes love a happy ending. Of course they do. We know that. That's fine. But um, but I I personally don't as much. I would like a little little bit more um, grey area with regards to this particular film's ending. But hey, mm. none of those broke the film for me. That two criticisms we just said. I am recommending it. I would say it's a decent to good little film. It's uh, quite easy to watch. Yep. I'm going to call it a Sunday afternoon film. I might do. Um, it, it might introduce people comfortably into Danish cinema if they're not too sure about it. Yes. But um, yeah, we've seen better Danish films on this thing. It's not going to float either of our boats to a passionate point like it should do. But again, it's a decent, decent film, Ben. Mm-hmm. It, no, it sure is. And on that point about that happy ending as well, um, the the very kind of first thought that went through my head as the film ended was that Persona Non Grata is a film that wants to ask lots of very difficult questions. As it goes on, it asks a series of really difficult questions to resolve. Can you have a a relationship with your sister-in-law when she was someone who bullied you? Can a family kind of come together after um, the revelations of arenas talking smack about them on TV and stuff and and so on and so forth without getting too spoilerific? So it asks a whole bunch of difficult questions. And then at the end, it just pulls easy answers out of its sleeve, like a bunch of flowers and everything's fine and you've got this happy ending. That was a little disappointing. It's also, as you say, um, not as good as other Danish films we've seen. And for me, this film really lives in the shadow of uh, Dogma. And it's a film about a party in the countryside. Absolutely. And And it features someone doing impressions of people with mental illness. Clearly a Festen fan. And and the mother is the lead actress from The Idiots as well. So like we've got a lot of kind of Document 95 thing going on. And I I was just kind of fascinated by how some of the lessons learned from Dogma, um, where we're almost 30 years later now, and we're now seeing it in kind of commercial Danish TV. So this is straight down the middle rom-com territory. This is not an edgy film at all. It's fun. um, It's engaging. It's made in a slightly interesting way a la Lars von Trier's shooting methods when he started doing The Kingdom, when he was like, we're just going to cover the same scene from different angles and film 
people who aren't talking and stuff. And then in the edit, we're going to kind of splice it all together. Some of the scenes in this are kind of interesting. Most of it is straight down the middle stuff. But yeah, it, it lives in the shadow of Feston very much. So it's like the rom-com version of Feston. Yeah. With kind of the idiot's undertones thrown through it. My, it's fine. It's Sunday afternoon. Um, I laughed in places. It's it's genuinely kind of, it's well-acted and well-made and, and so on. One of my problems with this why it's not my film of the month apart from it being run of the mill is the fact that every everyone is just so awful in it like in particular the, this urban and rural divide the urban people represented by arena and benjamin they're just so awful like they have everything is a problem even their clothes are horrific um and just the the Uh, the attitude they have towards all the rural people. And then you think like, oh, okay, it's going to do this thing where urban people are fey and they can't do anything and they're they're stuck up about everything. And then all the rural people are going to be real and genuine and down to earth. And no, not really. They're kind of jerks as well in different ways. And like everyone is just so awful apart from the mum. The the mum is just lovely. And I, I was, I felt heartbroken for all the stuff that she had to go through all the way through. Um, but yeah, it's it like it's fine. It looks pretty good. Everyone's good in it. It's a it's it's I don't know. It's like a uh, it's like a the 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 shadow of dogma. Um, this is what Feston is to audiences of twenty twenty two. Maybe I don't know. It, yeah, it was fine. Really, this is probably going to disturb you, Ben. But it's actually my second favorite film this month. Get away. <laughs> I mean, I can, yeah, I can understand that, but I just like, uh, Irina and Benjamin are such jerks. Benjamin's the worst, by far. Benjamin Uh, is the worst, but like, you know, the bit where they have to like pull that thing up on ropes and like, he's just completely awful at it and he can't pull the ropes and stuff. No, that's right. I mean, he's saying like, oh, there was a test of my manliness to see if I could, he's like, I'm going upstairs to have a nap. I'm not dealing with all these people. That was incredibly awkward to watch that scene. Not not in a great, oh my God, what a great performance way, as in you're actually an arsehole way. Um, Just just hold the rope, man. Like if I'm, if I am out of my comfort, I mean, this is a film and the whole point of a film is that everything has to go wrong. Otherwise it's not very interesting. But if, if I'm out of my comfort zone, if I'm accompanying a partner to go meet her family or whatever, and so I'm just going to jump in and do stuff. And Benjamin was just so awful. And it like, (laughs) just really, really present how awful he was throughout the film. Um, and Arena's got a lot of that going on as well. She never says the right thing. She pretty much always says the wrong thing until the magic um, final 10 minutes of the film where suddenly everyone loves each other and all is forgiven. It, it kind of-ish. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was. It was... Did, did, did it escape your attention, by the way, that this Benjamin looks like he mm. may have had origins in Greenland? Oh, no. I, I, no, I thought he was Korean. That was right. That, okay, so for, for me, I'm getting some serious, serious Greenland vibes from him. Uh, now, that, again, now his character's from Jutland, but the actor himself is from Greenland. Oh, so get well, away! Well, he looks well. He looks like he is. Okay. I'm going purely on that uh, Inuit level kind of. Yeah, it looks Greenlandish to me. Okay. So I, look, I don't know whether that was deliberate as, as like a really extremely nuanced de- decision to have someone like him in the film. He's the um, only non-white character in the entire yeah, film. 
he may have been born in, for all we know, for example, Alborg or something. Like we just don't, I haven't checked his history or anything. But that just that just grabbed my attention for a bit. When I wasn't hating him, I thought, are you from Greenland in real life? Or, or I have family there or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, look, no, uh, not else to say much more, can we, about this, really? It's um, yeah. it's fine. It's decent. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm always a bit concerned when they, uh, the critics and the audience both agree. Well, it's it's a comedy. It's a fun film. You can yeah. see, like, every, we, we, when we in the UK look at cinema from other countries, we often associate particular things with particular countries so like um uh, france has its kind of like po-faced artsy dramas and stuff and japan has its kind of like extreme blah, blah, blah. but every country's number one genre is comedy every country's number one genre is comedy this is a danish comedy this this is going to be a popular film in denmark yep and and uh, i'd love to ask a danish person a danish person how, how miserable are your films generally because oh. we, we see quite a few miserable ones, don't we? But we, we, we don't see every we don't see them every day like Danish people probably do. Um, and because a lot of their the Danish TV is obviously very miserable. Um, nearly all of that is that is without question. Um, yeah. And we get most of that on BBC Four when it existed. So yeah, it, curious because when something like this does come along, and the Suzanne Beers of this world, which is why she tends to win a lot of awards and stuff, mm. they do tend to gravitate towards that stuff a lot. Mm. Whereas it, it kind of turns us off, but that is that a cultural thing? Is it a taste thing? Is it both? Interesting. I think, I think it's a cultural thing. I think we've made a space for every country and what kind of cinema we expect from them. And when they deviate from that in our eyes, we're kind of like, oh, we're not interested. Whether or not that's what they they actually enjoy. Yeah. Anyway, we're, I think we're both okay with it. Yeah, you may fine. choose to wish it if you like. Right. Ben, what on earth... Is compartment number six, please? Compartment, good question. <laughs> is, I want to say, the fifth feature film from Juho Kroosmanen. I apologize for destroying your name there. I'm going to read the IMDb description, which is lengthy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone buckle up. Like the train journey that these folks are on, huh? As a train weaves its way up to the Arctic Circle, Two strangers share a journey that will change their perspective on life. <laughs> That's the IMDb yes. right there. So, uh, no, this is a film about a, another Laura. Um, Laura, who is a Finnish lady living in Russia. And she has decided to go on a trip into the Arctic Circle because she wants to see, um, what are they called, the glyphs? Um, the petroglyphs. Yes. Yes, pet- that's right. Yeah. Yes. She she's interested in uh, anthropology. She wants to go see the petroglyphs. She wants to go and see them with her partner whose name I can't remember is it Natalia um who she lives with in Moscow. Um her partner is too busy so she goes herself so catches a train. She's going to go see the petroglyphs. Um and she gets into compartment number six on her train, which is already inhabited by a Russian gentleman whose name I never really learned. It's like Lyoha or something, or Lyoha, yep. L-J-O-H-A. Um, he is, is a bit, a bit rough around the edges. Um, he's drunk. Uh, he's crude. He has a shaven head. He's smoking quite a lot. And you, well, you just think, well, the, these two are just never going to get it. <laughs> just like nothing's going to fly between these people. But as they travel along, 
um, they become closer and closer in in absolutely shocking news to no one who's sitting and watching this film. Um, and they both kind of start to change a little bit. So Laura, in the beginning of this film, she's she's very academic. She's very she's got a kind of a like uh, logical, cold, organized way of looking at things. She lives through her video camera. Um, so she records kind of everything she sees and then she kind of goes back over these recordings and she kind of connects herself to moments and places in that way. Lioha is just a drunk. Um, he, he lives in the here and now. He's not really interested in reading books or anything else or any of that stuff. And as their journey goes on, kind of like a little bit of each other starts to rub off. You've seen this movie a million times before. Um, there is absolutely nothing astonishing about compartment number six. It's lady gets on a train, takes a train somewhere, and some stuff happens. I am a big fan of train movies. So like yes. as, soon, as soon as we go on a train, I'm kind of in already. Absolutely. 100% on that. Yeah. Right? And then like to, to make things even more impressive, this is shot on film. This is some people getting on the, the Trans-Siberian Express route, Express route trains with a film camera and just shooting people like in a compartment and then getting off and just having a few adventures here and there and doing stuff. Lioha is uh, a, a, a bit of a bit of a one. He, you know, he, he likes a little bit of a crime, likes a little bit of a drink. Um, Laura is m- far more kind of safe and sedate. Um, she seems to be going through a process of trying to work out who she is and what she wants and like, like where she's connected to and so on. Yep. Um, this was surprisingly enough my film of the month for this interesting. film. Very Compartment interesting. Six. I wasn't expecting it at all because no, me even, even when the film finished, um, I, I, I was feeling kind of like, yeah, sure. That was fine. That was okay. That was, it's, it's not the kind of sweet tones of Persona Non Grata. This isn't like a comedy drama in that sense, but it, it also isn't kind of like a dark drama that you might see. It, it's, it's oddly pitched. It's a fun movie. It's a, it's a going on a train, learning stuff about yourself movie. It's very well acted. It's very well shot. Um, it's, it was an absolute freaking delight to see a film with a central female character who just gets grimier and grimier and grimier as the film goes on. So by the time she gets to the, the place where the petroglyphs are and she checks into a hotel and has a shower, it's, it's jarring how much she, she has changed after she has the shower because she was just getting so grotty living in this train compartment, drinking, yes. um, sleeping, having, sleeping on those weird top bunk things, sleeping on those weird berths. Yes. And, yeah. um, uh, and carriages. It's, yeah. it's, it's a film of little moments really. So this, this is the little bit where, um, where a Finnish man gets on the train. And this is a bit where they, they go to see some old lady who lives in the middle of nowhere. And this is the bit where she, and it, it's, it's, a, this is a bit where they, they find some people running a garage who are just giving away free booze. And it's, it's just a film of like these tiny little moments in this journey. Um, and, you know, unsurprisingly, Laura and Yoha just get closer and closer and closer as the film goes on, despite them being wildly opposite people in many ways. Um, yeah, and it just it just kind of won me over with its 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 kind of genuine human warmth, 
um it's 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 creativity in the face of not having much going for it it's a low budget film um there, there aren't any kind of set pieces or anything in it um but it won me over with all these things um i did not understand what the petroglyphs were at the end of the film. I had, no. to, <laughs> I had to go and Google this afterwards because you have your whole journey to the petroglyphs. And I wasn't sure if they were there or not after this whole film has been about petroglyphs. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's an amazing development, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, I saw, so I Googled it. Um, they did go to the petroglyphs. Shock <laughs> um, they're, 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 they're on those rocks by the sea that's yes yes um but the film doesn't make a big deal out of it because it's just magnificent i love that side of it oh yeah the film isn't really interested in having a plot and seeing it no no doing all these kind of things it's far more interested in in do you remember how to say uh i love you and finish no (laughs) it's just more interested in fun little stuff like that and yeah it just like i say just yeah really really won me over it's, it's not the best thing i've ever seen in my life um but i had to sit down and think about all the film the five films that we watched and which one as a complete entity had the biggest impact on me it would be compartment number six yeah it's my film of the month as well <laughs> no <laughs> no how about those apples that's unreal no, what? I, I did, what did I say to you off air? I'd be very surprised. If, I I was adamant you choose the next one as your film of the month. Well, live and learn, Theo. Well, no, that was, we we should still hopefully continue to surprise each other on this thing. Yeah. Otherwise, what is the point? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm very so we'll be doing this again next month. So we'll 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 look out for the nuancy things that we maybe missed first time around. Right, quick public service announcement. This is also not the Nordic film cancel nomination from finland in 2022 do you know what that film is ben no which no what was it the blind man a blind man who could not see titanic of course yes our runner-up of best film of 2022 it's a much better film than compartment number six. Oh yeah it's but it's a very different film as well um but anyway so yeah obviously that one's recommended you can hear us talk about it on the film of, of film of 2021 episode anyway this uh, well, yeah, in the previous film, Ben, I was waxing lyrical about the macro-level stuff going on. So, Royal versus Urban and all the rest of it. Not that much going on here in terms of the macro stuff. No. Barely anything at all, really. But what I want to compliment this film entirely on is its form and its execution. You've done a bit of that already. I'm going to jump on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, obviously, kudos to his whole team, but 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 in general, you hope course money. Uh, who basically is the second film that I've done on this podcast, and both of them have reached film of the year. So he's obviously doing something right. Mm. Um, I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but the happiest day in the life of Ollie Mackey, Ben, mm-hmm. is one of my favourite Finnish films of all time, mm-hmm. and it's indeed my second favourite black and white movie made in the Talkies era ever. Oh, wow. Um, for those of you who haven't grabbed it yet or seen it yet, shame on you, it's on Prime Video. So, and I think it's Prime Video for free. So, uh, by all means, if you've got a Prime subscription, check that movie out. Uh, that film, for those that don't know, is basically Rocky, but in black and white and without any small talk and a bucket load of finished dry sense of humour. Nice. So, for me, it was perfection. Um, compartment number six, and this is to the director's credit, has got literally nothing to do with the happiness day in the life of Ollie Mackey. It's in colour, number one. 
Yeah. It's most definitely not a cold film. There's bits of warmth in this movie, despite the fact that they're going through fucking Siberia on a train that lasts like 19,000 hours. <laughs> there's a, there's a plenty of small talk that goes on here. Mm-hmm. And for me, an absolute triumph for this movie, Ben. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, again, not a great film. I'm not going to sit here and call it a great film, but I'm happy to call it good, and I'm happy to recommend it to you all and pretty much leave it at that. Like... If like that, and and this is the thing, you love trains in movies, I love trains on movies. Mm. As I told you off air before we recorded the last episode, I just obviously completed my holiday in Norway. Yes. Where I did Oslo to Bergen, six hours on in a carriage. Amazing journey. Um, amazing journey. And on the way back, we had our own compartment. So uh, I wanted to do this film so I could see how the and believe me, this there ain't no CGI here. No. This is a genuine, bona fide, real carriage, real train. And believe me, all the dimensions in this movie are absolutely perfect. Mm. Because apparently, I'd love to know how they do this. Apparently, in these carriages, you can meant to fit six people in. What? No uh... idea. Because believe me, me and a friend were on the Bergen line yeah. in a carriage on the way, also on the way back to Oslo, on the Bergen line, in a carriage. And there was room for two of us. We were comfortable. If you'd have put two more people in there, it would have been a tight squeeze. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this film captures travelling on a train in a compartment in Siberia at a certain era. I think it's yeah. the 80s. I think, yeah, they never, ever say when this film is set. If it wasn't for the music at the beginning, we'd have no clue, right? But the play a bunch of 80s tunes, and her favourite song is Roxy Music or something? Like that, and then her video camera, her Walkman, her playing with a tape, the fact that nobody has a mobile phone. Yeah, so we we know it's the eighties. So yeah, um, well, we we are fairly sure it's the eighties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, so yeah. So basically, for me, you if you've done anything like that, like I've done, like being in a compartment on a train, and you think you think a film's going to do that, it's obviously going to bring something towards your own interest. Where it's like, well, go on and show me. And the film captured all that stuff perfectly. Then. Mm. absolutely perfectly like the occasional stop-offs happen in this movie the characters get off the train Mm. we follow them for a little bit then they go back on the train Mm. um and not only that though ben obviously the camera and the sound guys have to keep getting off the train (laughs) i don't know if anyone out there has seen brad anderson's trans-siberian but um i was reminded of trans-siberian a lot it's one of my favorite train movies Um, also takes place on the trans-siberian express it's the um it's the dark thriller drama film and compartment number six is the kind of light human drama version of trans-siberian if you if you if you like as a way to compartmentalize it it's 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 got good standing in the world of train movies this this is a good train film absolutely um and but what i like go back to the compartment again yeah and things being to scale in lesser hands and with lesser actors, and I do want to call out the actors, both of them have got a lot to do in yeah. difficult conditions. Yeah. Um, they would bring about a claustrophobic nature to the film, Ben. Yes. Where it would have killed the romance. Yes. And you would visibly have been able to have seen the actors just getting irritated. Yes. Somehow, and I mean somehow, having spent six hours on one of these things, and God knows they would have spent even more on them doing these takes and re-recordings and stuff like that potentially. Um, I don't see any of that in this film, Ben. Like no. the, the romance that kindles very slowly does so. There is no ever, ever, ever any irritation. 
Yeah. Um, although I do, I do. Uh, when the when the Russian man gets agitated, you can tell it comes from the heart. <laughs> yes, very much. Yes, but 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 no, like the the fact that they were able to do a romance film in such difficult shooting conditions is is thoroughly thoroughly impressive. And it's like a proper romance thing as well. It's not like um, it's not like an American romance thing where first they hate each other and then they love each other. It is exactly that, but somehow it's not because. The, the the way they kind of they they kind of move around each other in these orbits is just very kind of genuine. Yeah. Um, oh, can you imagine the American remake, which will come of this, by the way? Can you imagine the the American remake of this? Yes, yes I can. I can. I can see it. I mean, Seth Rogen will play <laughs> or Channing Tatum. Or, or Channing Tatum. Yeah, and like the American remake would never allow Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, but they would never allow her to go so makeup free. And increasingly grimy as the film goes on. Um, she it, she she might suggest it, but her agent would be like, "No, no, no, don't do that." Yeah, no, we're not doing this. We're, we're going to keep you clean. And the, like, no one in this film is a great person either, which I thought no. was interesting. Everyone has flaws. Everyone has flaws, and Laura's kind of learning that she may have been taken for a ride as things go on. She's she's kind of, she's she's in a place of quiet contemplation about what she wants from life, and also like her sense of belonging, like where she's a Finnish person living in Russia, trying to make Russia kind of like a part of her, um, even though she's not, and that there are lots of things she doesn't necessarily understand, even though she speaks fluent Russian and stuff. She's she's not Russian in her bones in the way that Lioha is. No. Um, so, yeah, the, as you say, she's on a journey to discover herself, which is really important. And as a foreigner living in a certain country or, or traveling through a different country, yeah. um, I think you would do that. Um, so yeah, a lot of this, this film makes a lot of wonderful sense. Um, and actually, the, the ambiguity about the, the petroglyphs and stuff, Mm. it's just yeah. so typically Finnish. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff that they have in their kind of country are just like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, it's, it's just fantastic. Like in much the same way that the happiness, the happiest day in the life of Ollie Mackey, yeah. it doesn't give a monkeys about boxing then. Yeah. It couldn't give two hoots about the boxing side of it. It, mm. it. I mean, yeah, there's boxing in it, but that ain't what the film's about. Yeah. Like, honestly, it's just uh, the Finnish way of going about, about, about their business has always been close to my heart. And this is yet another very decent example of it like I've, I've just got a lot of time for this movie and, and, I'm, I'm, and i'm glad that we'll be doing it again because there will be some stuff some nuancey things we'll both pick up and shout out to the tiny 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 crew behind this film as well because you oh, don't, absolutely. don't get many films that you end up seeing on on the big screen that have such minuscule crews like there's there's like this aguire the wrath of god my brain, she is empty now. I can't think of any others. It's a tiny, tiny crew. Like they, they haven't got like a bunch of lights and stuff. They're shooting this like a documentary, but as a piece of fiction, and it still manages to look cinematic and astonishing all the way through. Some of those early scenes in the apartment in Moscow, just really making the most out of what available light you've got in order to to shoot your film on film as well. Just like, well, well done there, everyone. No, really terrific, really terrific technical filmmaking. Yes. Um, and we'll see you next month, film. We'll see you next month. Yep. Right. Lamb. Let's move over to the batshit crazy Icelander, shall we, Ben? <laughs> With a massive film crew. And, yeah, right. Yeah. Enormous crew. And not much particular talent in the CGI department. Anyway, uh, <laughs> directed by Valdemir Johansson, we've got Lamb, which is 
the Nordic Film Council 2022 nomination. So we do do them. We do. We do. Yeah. And it won, Ben. Yeah. I it, won, it won the Nordic Film Council Award, and I can probably understand why. Yes. But let's get into the film. So, rural Iceland. A childless couple discover a strange and unnatural newborn in their sheep barn. They decide to raise it as their own. But sinister forces are determined to return the creature to the wilderness that birthed her. Uh, that'll do. I mean, it's, you know. I think, I think the less you know, the better. Yeah, the less you know, you better. Um, I mean, I'd say the less you watch, the better, but that's another thing. Ben, this is the third Icelandic film that I've ever seen mm-hmm. that explores the relationship between Icelanders and their animals. Mm-hmm. Of Horses and Men was one. Mm-hmm. Sheep was the other one. Mm-hmm. Both of those were films that had moments, but ultimately not good enough to sustain themselves throughout. That's the important thing. For me, Ben, Lamb is exactly the same as those two films. Yeah. It's exactly the same as Of Horses and Men and exactly the same as Sheep. Yeah. It had moments I enjoyed, and we'll talk about some of these moments, no doubt, mm. but it simply wasn't able to sustain itself. Mm. There, were, there were also moments, Ben, that I was bored shitless in this movie. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very little actually happens in this movie. Yeah. Which would be fine had the film been more focused. And that's the number one point I want to make out of this. Yeah. Like, I really don't think this film was as clever as it thinks it is. And no. I really don't think it's actually saying all that much. No. Like, of Horses and Men and Sheep, the best bits in those two films were probably the first half an hour. Mm-hmm. The best bit of this film is probably the first half an hour for me. With maybe one scene towards the end, which I don't know if I want to quite spoil. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We're not recommending it anyway, or are we? Maybe-ish. Uh, um, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Anyway. Um, I like this film for having no dialogue for about 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Loved it. And the first conversation to actually take place in this movie was between the husband and the wife. Uh, and they were talking about the future, weren't they? Um, they were talking about the future, yeah. but looking forward to the future and sort of looking back at the past and like the relationship between those things. Yeah. Um, and there was a moment during this conversation where the wife gives her husband a look of complete emptiness and sadness. Yeah. Um, so that for me, I thought, and, and it's very clearly when you watch this film, it would set up the film to be something about childhood loss. Yeah. Um, you know, either the two of them have, have got fertility fertility issues and can't have children, hence why they end up taking one of the lambs as their own, mm. or was there a child in their life that have somehow just died or something? Mm. Um, hence why they end up taking a lamb to replace that child. Like, I don't think the film quite answers that, but I'm fairly sure that one of those two things is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene where like the father just bursts out crying in his tractor. Yes, yes. Um, so that makes me think that it is a childhood loss thing as opposed to not being able to have a child thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, but apart from that scene, it doesn't really go into that side of it much at all. It's got the, there's a bit where she is uh, crouching in front of a bunch of headstones that they've made. Ah, well, well there we go. Then that answers yeah. that. I, I, I must have missed that one. I completely forgot that. Because um, the kid the kid has the, um, I've, I've forgotten her name, same name as the Ada. Yes. Yeah. Um, so right there you go there's your answer then I, I, I must have switched off at that point a little bit <laughs> uh, but anyway look you know here's the thing um, the film wants to kind of do that but then it sort of does want to do like the folktale thing yes with, and then it sort of wants to do the sinister force thing um, <laughs> but again in extremely small doses like it, barely in there at all um, 
and there's a great scene that I would like to mention, but it does involve when this thing actually goes a bit awry, mm-hmm. and it involves a weapon, and it involves a certain uh, mythical thing. Like we'll leave it, we'll leave that one there. Fantastic little moment, fantastic scene, okay. really good CGI actually for once, and we'll come on to that very shortly. But really well executed scene, but there simply weren't enough of it, and it so- simply wasn't consistent enough. It couldn't quite work out whether the folktale even was even a thing, whether it was like the weather or something. Yes, um, it was just lots and lots of. I want to say half-baked, and I think it really is half-baked. Yeah. Storyboard-wise, this film probably read fantastically well as a minimalistic piece of art. The reality when they put it all together, though, is just it just comes across half-baked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I have to, I do have, I've mentioned it a couple of times already. The elephant or the lamb in the room is the lamb. <laughs> um, it's not breaking news, Ben. Here on the Outside Tender Film Podcast, I think it's fair to say that we focus on world cinema. Mm-hmm. From all four corners, mm-hmm. and with a variety of budgets, big and small, we know that not every film is going to give us Hollywood level special effects. No, we, we don't look for those. We forgive them for the most part when we can. We don't even pay attention to a lot of them anyway. It's just just part of the whatever. That being said, Ben, in this movie, you can literally see the strings. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, well, what by that I mean, you can literally th- see the superimposition. Oh, oh, oh! We're yeah. talking about Ada. Yeah, yeah. You can oh, literally yeah. see the, the, the blurred around the lamb. You can yeah. you can actually see this superimposed lamb's head on the child's body. Yes. It should have been, and there's no excuse for this because the Atlantics are bloody good filmmakers. Uh, it should have looked better than that. It should have been a cleaner operation than that. It should have been a cleaner cut than that. Yeah. Um, and the worst scene of all, Ben, and it really, really ruined the film for me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the scene when the father takes the lamb out on a boat? Yes. Like literally the entire thing, not just the lamb, but the entire background was photoshopped in. Yeah. Like honestly, I can't be dealing with this now in 2022. Like <laughs> it's just not good enough. Like we've seen smaller budgets in this do far, far better things with special effects. And maybe so, it's, it's some, something to do with the combination of children and animals and special effects just make everything a bit difficult. I think you in Iceland. How, why are you even, why are you even comping? A river yeah. scene, yeah, yeah and a yeah. mountain. I don't get it. What were they doing here? Like honestly, so colour me disappointed. I didn't feel that I was educated particularly well. I didn't think I was entertained all that well either. No. I think it was sloppily made. I think it was a bit dull. I mm. think it was actually lacking a bit of bite considering the subject matter. You've just literally got a child running around with a lamb's head on. I seriously expected more. Um, not my film of the month. I thought you'd forgive all the things that I've criticised it for and give it film of the month anyway, so I'm sort of relieved that you haven't. Um, it did win the Nordic Film Council Award. I do see why, because it is different. Yes. Um, but for me, it should have been a lot better than it was. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's worth mentioning as well that it's a film presented in, I want to say, three chapters, possibly four. Which don't make any sense to me doesn't make any sense, but it does mean that I can quite cleanly say that I absolutely adored Chapter 1. I absolutely. Really, really, well, the first half an hour, yeah. Yeah, so I, I sat down and it felt to me like a coalescence of a lot of other Nordic films that we've watched over the past like year or so. So I got little flashes of Gunda. I got me some Runar Runason feelings going on. Brothers, definitely, yeah. Got me some Pluna Palmerson stuff going on there. Like it was all. It felt like a kind of cohesion of all these different Nordic films that we've seen in a in a good. Even um, what was it called? Seasons, um, the kind of non-dialogue film about people on a farm. 
Um, oh, that Swedish film, yes. Yeah. You so, love that film. I love that film, man. <laughs> um, so, like, <laughs> what you're watching, like, 20 minutes, half an hour of a couple on a farm, not talking. They're, they're birthing lambs, and they, they, they appear to really be birthing lambs, and they're just kind of, like, going around farming. I also got vibes for, of uh, a film called Sweet Grass, which is just, like, a, a, a non-narrative documentary on a sheep farm as well. And it was just great, and the the weather was great, and the house was great, and every it's everyone just doing things, and you learning about people by watching them do things. It's him sitting around unconvincingly drinking coffee out of cups. And like me, you thought this is nailed on for film of the month. This is nailed for film of the month. I got all cozy in my chair, kind of <laughs> yeah. myself in, turned my phone off. I was like, this is going to be absolutely baller. Um, and they set up this kind of within the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes, they set up this perfect world with this, um, this man and this woman and, and this, this thing which is going on. And then the film goes, and now I have to lob a hand grenade into this happy existence. So, so enter Peter or Petter, the brother of the, uh, husband who is the hand grenade that's going to explode and destroy this kind of like idyllic family unit that he's discovered except except that he's he's kind of not really um that's that's a false flag and actually the hand grenade that's going to go off is what you thought was a hand grenade in the beginning of the film in the first place anyway it just takes until act three for it to turn back up again so the film just kind of ambles along through act two with nothing really happening there's the threat of something happening all the time but it it never goes anywhere and it it doesn't so we just we just coast and we get to we're in stasis and then yeah the boring scenes the the everyone watching tv and having a drink and i was just like oh no this is this is I'm so not having fun anymore and i really like it was it was astonishing to me how much i disengaged with lamb after that first part oh, loved that first absolutely. part so good um i can see why this one as well um, I can. I feel like I know why this film was made and the the kind of people that made it. I think it it probably came out of a kind of an advertising film industry environment environment rather than a burning urge to tell a kind of a metaphorical story because there isn't anything really going on here. Correct. It's 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 very it's very straight. Um, like you might want to say there is a kind of metaphor going on for our relationship with the animals that we eat perhaps but not really um or or how we just kind of like how our lives are running in parallel to the animals around us that we kind of need maybe but not really so much you might want nature fighting back against humanity and stuff nature claiming claiming the land back and stuff yeah you might want to talk about like what what the term mother really means yeah yeah. Um, perhaps but <clears throat> none of this is really none of it goes deep enough none of it's enough it's it's all very 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 surface the end is definitely a bit of a pickup but then it's also like with persona non grata a film that asks lots of difficult questions lamb is also a film that asks a lot of difficult questions and then just pulls a magic bunch of flowers out of its sleeve and goes uh, different ending <laughs> there you go <laughs> yes. wrapped everything up for you nicely um yeah it was it was fine i can't really recommend it either absolutely adored the opening of this film i said it was so good and also like 
formally from a from a formal filmmaking perspective it's just so well made it looks so good and it it got me um wilhelm hammershoy vibes the artist the uh-huh. uh, the danish girl was uh, the look of that film was based on and i was just really i couldn't have been happier um very surprised by where it went it ends up just being very very normal and then it stops being normal um and it's it's i it's not as wacky as I think it thinks it is. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would recommend Lamb to someone who liked kind of artsy pseudo horror type things. I, I think this is being distributed by A24 in a lot of territory. Mm, well, maybe. yes. So it, 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 it's hitting that kind of A24 market especially for films which are not quite as clever as a lot of people think they are. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really recommend it. It was fine. The, the beginning is great. Um, I'm not sure why Valdemar Johansson made this film. Um, I, I looked it up afterwards, and I found that he, he had the idea for this central idea with Ada and then kind of worked his way backwards. And I'm not, I don't, I mean, each to their own, but I, I don't think that's where someone like Luna Palmerson is coming from with Absolutely film. Absolutely not, no. I think there's no. there's there's a, a series of decisions to make about things you want to do, ways you want to achieve them, um, and things that must be done in order to make your film a whole. And I don't think that's quite there in Lamb. No, definitely not. Um, if people want a film like, I'm not, I'm not going to recommend Lamb at all. Okay. What I am going to recommend is a Norwegian film called Tal. Tal. T H A L E. Oh, Tal. I remember yeah. Tal. Yeah, it's a Norwegian yeah. film about. Uh, again, it's it's very similar to this in the sense that it's more folk, t- but but it's far more folk tale than anything. Yes. So it's a, it's 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 telling a tale about a mythical creature's tale. Yes. So yeah. it's it, it's a fabulous little fun film, and I think... I'd recommend that one instantly and way above Lamb yeah. uh, because it's more consistent and it and it and it does have a little bit of fun and it does kind of deviate up and down a little bit and it does kind of stay true to itself. Whereas this, I mean, yeah, the chapters blew me off. I thought there's actually no there's no reason for chapters here. You, you hate chapters as well. I don't you... mind chapters if they if if they make sense. Basically, right. when, when you've got it's not the longest film we've ever seen. No. Um, so there's literally no need to split this film into chapters. Like it, you know, it's not as if it's a simple beginning, middle, and end either. It doesn't even. No, I just I couldn't get on board. I couldn't get on board with hardly anything in this movie. I was gutted. Honestly, I was bitterly, yeah. bitterly disappointed about it because we were both looking forward to doing it. Yeah. Uh, we both called it out as, yeah. oh, I'm surprised this didn't get through to the foreign language Oscar thing and all the rest of it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, mm, but yeah, not yeah. But but in 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 fairness, it does have some great moments. Has some lots of great moments, which I don't want to really spoil any of them because if people do want to check it out, they should discover them for themselves. There's a great bit with a rifle. I can say rifle. Uh, the mythical creature itself. Yep. Um. Again, the beginning's fantastic. There's little yeah. bits here and there, drop drip fed secret little things. Sorry, the brother ruins the film pretty much as you said. But the brother's awful. Like. Yeah. Why is that whole thing there? And then also even the way they introduce the brother being dropped into the film. He's, he's in the trunk of a car and, a, and a three rando people just drive. Yeah, through, yeah. Right? 
And then they park up, they open the boot, they tear him out, and then they just drive off again. That's how Peter is introduced to the film. And then he finds their house, goes to sleep on their couch, and you're like, they don't know there's a man sleeping in the house. And then he wakes up and he's like, hi. And they're like, oh, hi, Peter's here. And you're like, oh, right, he's the brother. I see. That was a weird way of introducing him. And that's kind of like what Lamb is. Like, it, it, you think there's more going on, but then there isn't. There's, there's just nothing. It's no, just, it's not, uh, I mean, look, hey, who am I, really? But mm. um, for me, having not seen Godland yet, oh. uh, having seen the, the Swedish entry, having seen the Norwegian entry, which is not the film we're going to review, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the Nordic Film Council, mm-hmm. I was bitterly, bitterly disappointed to see that the blind man who did not see Titanic that the didn't yeah. vote that as the yeah, winner. Yeah. That yeah. is, I know, I know it's not quote unquote unusual or quote unquote different, but yeah. it is a slice of almost, if not absolute perfection. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it is actually different and it is amazingly well made and there's humor in there and it's mm-hmm. incredibly Finnish and it talks about the industry. Like, I'm very, very sad that Lamb beat this for the award. I, re- I think that the team who made um, The Blind Man Who Did Not Want to See Titanic deserved. Yeah, more plaudits really because it's a terrific, terrific film. It's no surprise. Lamb, Lamb is a glossy um, yeah. genre film with a with a genuine like famous person in the yeah. lead role. Like it, it makes complete sense. Sod the industry, right? Hey. Um, ben, yeah. So we are not now. We are now not about to review mm. the worst person in the world. Mm. which was Norway's entry for the Nordic Film Council nomination. We did that in February. Something like that, yeah. We, I liked it more than you. I think we were okay with that one, really, but still nothing absolutely amazing. So yep. instead, I think, we, I think we both agreed that we wanted to take a look at the new Bent Hamer film, Ben. Yes, yeah. So what on earth is the middleman, please? It's a very, very good question. <laughs> it's the, what, the eighth or the ninth film from Bent Hamer? Um, IMDb description, Frank Ferrelli takes on the job as a middleman in the godforsaken town of Carmack, USA. <laughs> a community in a depression so deep that they need a middleman to professionally communicate more of the bad news. So it's a film about um, Paul Sverhagen is your lead actor. He plays Frank, an American man. Um, living in this town of Carmack, he is a pro. Or he goes for a job interview with the, the town hall. They need some, there are so many accidents in Carmack, USA, that they need someone to go and inform family members of uh, injuries, deaths, etc. So he becomes the middleman of the town. And hilarity ensues. Um, it, this is an odd film. Um, and it's also a very, a not you reckon, a- dear? Really, do you think so? <laughs> Hey, look, look, here's the thing about it. So this is Ben Tama's eighth or ninth film. It's set in... Huge gaps between them, by the way, we should add. Sorry? Huge gaps between his films. Yeah, massive gaps. He started in, like, the early 90s, and, like, now it's 2021, and he's on, like, film number eight or something, or nine. I don't know. Um, so we're taking place in Comeback USA. So this, this film... It's in America. It's very much, it feels like it's making a point about America as well. So America feels like it's important. What is this place where terrible things happen, perhaps? Um, But we're not filming in America and we're not 
filming with American actors on the whole. And that is a very strange choice. And it's very difficult to stop <laughs> thinking about it at any <laughs> any point when you're watching the film. And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I don't know why it got so under my skin because like, Oh, like, I know. I know why. You know why? It's like Lars <laughs> von Trier can make like what's he made like four, five, six films which are set in America, but he hasn't set foot on American soil, and he's using a kind of an international cast of people doing a whole series of different accents and stuff. So, like Dogville, it, Mandalay. What else we got? Mandalay, Dancer in the Dark, yep. Antichrist, yep. and the House that Jack built. All and a, the one where the world ends, and the one and yes, um, Kirsten Dunst in it. Christ, what's it m- called? M- 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 uh, like miserable. M- m- <laughs> cool. m- m- you that crack one. on. I'll now check it while you're talking. <laughs> so, like, it's really difficult to get away from that, and I really, I'm really not sure why. Um, the location, the, the the locations where this film is shot, melancholia. Melancholia. That's what it's bloody called. Um, so it can be done. You can do it. You, you, can, you can do this kind of like international. Even, um, oh my God. Um, what's it? Mr. The Feston dude. He did. Um, Vinterberg. Thomas Vinterberg. He did that. It's all about love, which was also like, it's all shot in Oslo, but I think it's supposed to be America and stuff. It can be done. Do you, um, Wendy? Dear Wendy, was that shot Although, in America. I, think, I know Jamie Bell's in it, so I think that may have been shot in America. I might be completely wrong. There. Look at us talking about good Scandinavian film directors. <laughs> so, but and I don't, Ben Hamer, but yeah, and then Ben Hamer, who like I don't know why it bugs me. Um, the places are great. The buildings are fantastic. The interiors are all wonderful. Every, everything in this evokes the feel of a town that has been forgotten and everyone has moved on um everyone has moved on from these interiors no one is is here to paint or decorate or look after anything anymore everything is in a real bad way and i think it must be necessary to the story that this film takes place in carmack usa it can't be we cannot set this film in canada that is not happening for one reason or another, even though we're going to film in Canada. And we filmed in Germany as well. Um, yeah. And then we've, we've, we've got some North American people in this film. Um, but they're not the stars. <laughs> our, stars <laughs> our stars are all Scandinavian. And they're, they're doing passable American accents at times, but then is this an exercise in pretending to be American? I don't think so. I think I think Ben Harmer is kind of doing the Lars von Trier thing and embracing the fact that these are not American people doing American things. And like, is he perhaps presenting like, here, we can have an American, I'm doing bunny ears, an American movie, which is not shot in America and doesn't feature American actors. We can, we can play that game. If so, why? I'm not sure. I haven't even started talking about anything to do with the film here. This is such a, was such a stumbling block for me to get into this film. I, I kept bumping against it and going, is this Germany? Is this Canada? Hundred percent. Is this is this guy Scandinavian? Is this guy Scandinavian? Even the people in this film who are genuinely North American, by the end of the film, I I was convinced that they were kind of like 
from from afar as well. There's the guy who plays the doctor in this, Don McKellar. He was he was really bugging me all the way through, and I was like, have I seen him in Danish film? Have I seen him? In... He's Canadian. I just like, but by association, everyone starts sounding funny as the film goes on. Anyway, so Frank takes on the job of the middleman. Um, slow to begin with. He's not very good at it. As the film goes on, he continues to not really be very good at telling people bad news. Um, and something bad happens to his friend. He's only got one friend in this little town. Um, a guy called, is it Bill? I think. Um, yeah, Bill gets punched in a bar. I think it's Bill. Is it Bill? No, it's Steve. Um, Steve gets punched by Bill in a bar, knocks his head, um, goes into a coma. And that kind of becomes the, the, the forward motion for all the drama that happens in this town because Bill who punched Steve was competing with Frank for the job of the middleman and is sour as all hell that he didn't get the job. To make matters worse, Frank is now going out with Brenda, who used to go out with Bill. And like even like me saying out loud this this storyline, which is happening, it feels so kind of small um, and kind of insignificant. It's, it's, it's such a weird little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Persona Non Grata asks difficult questions and gives easy answers, and Lamb asks difficult questions and gives easy answers, The Middleman is a film that doesn't really ask any questions and then just pulls a huge series of uh-oh out of its sleeve in the last, like, 20 minutes. Why is everyone behaving so weirdly all of a sudden? Why, why are you all doing this crazy stuff? Um, it's, I don't know, it's a comedy drama about people doing bad things um it's a comedy drama about a place in america that's been forgotten um but it's also a really really weird experiment in can can you make this kind of film in this kind of way in this in these places with these people and will people accept it i think on the whole people will accept it i think a lot of people are going to watch this and they're not really going to notice that it's Scandinavian actors. It's mixed reviewed with. very well, by the way. It's reviewed very well. It's engaging. Like it, it, it kind of like the, the what's going to happen aspect of this film is kind of fascinating until it gets up to like the final 20 minutes when it's just kind of like, it just loses interest in the story it's been telling the whole time and then decides to go all in, all in on Bill. <laughs> this whole film becomes about Bill for the last 25 minutes, which was a weird one. Um, fun little shout out to early on in the film when Frank gets his job as a middleman, he's in the office and um, his his good his good buddy Arthur comes by to say hello. And I was like, is that Axel Henny? Was that Axel Henny, star of Headhunters, who just popped his head in for two minutes? to have a little weird cameo that why would you put Axel Henney in a film and then not? Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's much more important. Suddenly that was, that was a fun little moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I stand on the middleman. It was like, it was engaging. I watched all of it. I, I don't think I was super bored for a lot of it. Although there are some boring bits. I will, <laughs> I, I will give it that for sure. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure that Paul Sverhagen is the man to carry this film. 
I'm not going to say he like he's not a good actor because I I think he he he's fine. We've seen him in other things. He's good, um, but I don't know if he was really the guy for this film, or I don't know if the interpretation of the character Frank is all that engaging because Frank's just he's not very good at his job. He's not a very engaging man. He's not very nice to his mother. He's not very nice to his partner. He's not very nice to his friends. So why are we watching Frank so much? Again, I'm always happy about complicated characters, but I'm not sure that Frank is necessarily a complicated character. He's just, he's just not, he's just not very good at anything. Um, So yeah, the middleman, it's a Sunday afternoon movie for me. I think some people would find this engaging. I'm not that guy. I've seen Ben Harmon make better films. Yeah. 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 100% Ben. 100%. When we agreed to do a Ben Harmon film, Mm -hmm. this is not what I had in mind. (laughs) (laughs) The middleman can't be made by the same guy that directed O. Horton. Yeah. Like, I'm um, sorry. That literally the most Norwegian film in history. Yeah. The personality laden genius that is O Horton, a yeah. train conductor in his retirement, just fucking magic film. Yeah. The middleman Ben, it can't be made by the same guy who directed One Thousand and One Grams. It's it's it it sure is. Which was Norway's foreign language Oscar nomination for 2015, and a bit lovey dovey, but still a good film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the middleman bed is bereft of so much personality. It really, really upsets me. I know. But, it's directed by the same man who made Kitchen Stories. I mean, what... what uh, <laughs> your stumbling block was exactly the same as mine. Mm. I was not engaged. I don't care about this film. I wish mm. it didn't exist. I wish I didn't have to watch it. <gasps> I don't even want to call it an American B movie, Ben. It's more like an American C movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the kind that... If if English listeners will know of a Hallmark channel or 24-7 movies channel, yes. it would rock up on there on a, on a random fucking rotation of the of the schedule and, and people may or may not sit through it if they've got nothing better to do. This this ain't worth checking out in any way, shape or form. To sit to purposely sit down and want to watch an American Ooh. film made by non Americans. So it's so weird. What I, are they I, doing? I, like I I can see some people getting hooked into Frank's journey into being the middleman, learning how it works, delivering his first like bad news story, um, the mistakes that are made, get like the stuff in the hospital with the with the the two teenage girls who get hit by a train, kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm on facepalm and I'm that upset about this. I'm really yeah, facepalm. No, no, I, I can't handle the film. Then it just walks like, away. It walks away from everything that is set up in the last 25 minutes. It suddenly becomes like, like I say, let's go all in on Bill. This whole film becomes about Bill. Yeah. And like a, he stepped into the film like three times as it goes on. And then it's like, remember that whole story about being a middleman. We're going to walk away from it now, and we're now going to do. We're going to make another film, and we're going to get Axel Henny back in for that one. It's, it was it was an odd choice. It's I think this is adapted from a book, and I think the book is probably something far more elegiac and something that is probably a lot more metaphorical with a point to make. But here we've just got very matter of fact beat hitting moments from the book. This is my guess about what's going on here. I mean, I, I also think he's doing a von Trier thing in one other way, which is 
just merely sailing towards retirement. I think he's yeah. 65 or something. Okay. Uh, he's probably just, he's done, you know what, I've done my Norway thing now, I'm just going to piss around, do what I like, just get my pension sorted and whatever. Like, honestly, the, I, I I don't want to speak about it anymore. <laughs> it, 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 like, the Norwegian stuff that we've done yeah. on the podcast, including, you know, Beware of Children that made it through to the final, yes. you know, film. I don't, I don't want to live in a world where Ben Harmer thinks he can be approaching retirement age and start playing it safe. Do not do this, Ben. No, it's better than that, for fuck's sake. Yeah, like, and, and Norwegian cinema is better than this. Um, yeah. So, uh, deeply upsetting. Yeah. Uh, I, Clara I think a lot of people would like it. I will I will say that. I don't I give a flying fuck what other people say about that movie, to be honest <laughs> with you. Clara Sola, directed by Natalie Alvarez Messen. In a remote village in Costa Rica. Oh, and by the way, this is and was Sweden's nomination for the yeah. Nordic Film Council. In a remote village in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. We Clara, Sweden, you say? <laughs> Clara, a withdrawn 40-year-old woman, experiences a sexual and myth- mystical awakening, yeah. which in the film translates to her being touched at a party. Um, anyway, she begins a journey. She begins a journey to free herself from the repressive religious and social conventions which have since previously dominated her life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the film. Yeah. Uh, I say this without any irony whatsoever, Ben, and mm. I mean this. I, literally, I will say this very carefully so you can understand what I'm saying. Mm. There was too much nattering in this film, Ben. Wait, wait, wait. wait when you say, <laughs> when you say nattering, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> Oh my God, so much small talk in this. I wasn't in the mood for any of it. And the journey in question, like, the, the, the journey doesn't actually happen until at least 17 hours of this movie. Yeah. Like, this, this alleged journey that you know she's going on, she's planning for it, she's got a rucksack on, she's going in and out the hut, village, house thing constantly. And it's like, well, you just get on this journey where you kind of discover what sex is and what like life is they're kind of doing this it's it's all building to the quinceanera party oh uh, 15 year old uh, 15th birthday party it's all that that's the kind of that's the fireworks factory i mean really like but then she goes on this journey in the end then and what does it actually amount to really uh the only journey this film took me on ben was to the kitchen to get boredom snack (laughs) um yeah the movie left me completely cold i couldn't sustain my focus during it yeah. And I've got, to, I've got, to, I've got to speak up about Sweden here as well. Mm-hmm. Sweden has been getting on my bastard nerves for many, many years now, Ben. I haven't seen a truly great Swedish film. Oh, um, I mean, and boy, we've tried. I know you were a fan of Seasons, but I wasn't. Yeah. And then, of course, you got Roy Anderson. I yeah. just want someone else to come up and make something truly fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Relatively conventional as well. I like my conventional Scandinavian films. You know, with yeah. the story and with engaging yeah. people. Like, this ain't that film. This is not that film for me. Like, I, I will take as much blame as, it, as as I can. You know, I keep choosing these things, although, again, this was forced on us in, in a way. We uh-huh. we have been trying. We've we tried so many different fucking Swedish things on it. Like, I can't remember the last time I was blown away by something Swedish. It's certainly not this film. You, it, it's Swedish by passport because the director's, like, half Swedish. Yeah, it's essentially a Costa Rican movie. Anyway, the cast is Costa Rican. It's filmed in Costa Rica. Um, 
So, but but anyway, that would be fine anyway. Honestly, that that ain't a problem. We're, we're all in international society now anyway. That's fine. Yeah. But this ain't what I want from a Scandinavian film either, Ben. So you can imagine my mood. I've just come out. I've just come out of compartment number six and made me all feel happy. Mm-hmm. Then a bit of lamb that did piss me off, but it had its moments. Yeah. And then to watch the middleman followed by Clara Sola. Uh, it almost makes me want to cancel this episode ever again, which is never going to happen. <laughs> no, we're not, we're, we're not doing that. No, See, I'm, I, not le- I'm not letting these two films ruin my passion for Scandinavian cinema, even though yeah. they've tried their absolute best. And yeah. not only a Costa Rica bed, not only Costa Rica in this film, but the dullest, greyest, most miserable, most plain-looking Costa Rica ever captured in cinema. <laughs> you wouldn't want to go there. You wouldn't want to be this woman. You wouldn't want to know this woman. You wouldn't want to be in the family. You wouldn't want to be in the country. You wouldn't want to go on the journey. You don't want to watch the film. Sweden, for crying out loud, please do better than this going forward. Harsh, harsh words. So, yes, I know what you mean. Um, also, so uh, let me try and focus on some positives about this film because there are some positives about Clara Sola. Zero positives. There are, there are some <laughs> positives about Clara Sola. Um, Clara Sola is very much a kind of experiential, haptic study of one particular woman, which is which is always going to be vaguely interesting. So it's a woman making sense of the world around her by by touch is her kind of primary sense. Um, I thought it was there. It was very well shot with some creative choices. My kind of stumbling block with Clara Sola um, is that the central character in the description you read out, I believe the word they used to describe her was withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, She's disabled, basically. She's disabled. <laughs> That's not the same as withdrawn. It's not the same as withdrawn. <laughs> And she's kind of she's she's kind of like a a, a magical realism version mm-hmm. of a disabled person. So she's she's kind of like she she behaves like a child, and there's there's something wrong with her spine, which is which is causing a lot of pain and a lot of kind of difficulty for her. Um, and um, uh, and it, it kind of it it kind of posits that because she is different to other people that she is kind of touched by god a little bit more which which i was kind of like oh, this is a funny thing it but it never really goes all in on this and it just becomes about clara not being allowed to play with herself for most of the movie so it kind of like it starts off in this place where i thought oh they're, they're gonna I don't know where they're going to go, but they're going to go some kind of like quasi religious, interesting place with this, where she, she's more connected to animals than she is to people. Um, she seems to find people quite difficult. She's drawn to certain people. And I I thought like at times there's going to be abusive behavior from the people that she's drawn to, but that never happens. That was great. Um, it's just her relationship with animals, which is where kind of all her pain comes in. Um, and I thought they were going to do this thing where she's she's a kind of like a mystical figure, but they don't. It's just no, no. it's just that she wants to she just wants to play with herself while watching TV, and she's not allowed. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> literally true. It's a weird place and to also take. feel raindrops in the air. Um, yeah, and then and then they're like, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna rub your fingers in chili peppers, so you can't do this anymore and stuff. And I'm like, it's, it, it, well, I mean, like it's a choice. 
Um, but it wasn't the choice that I was expecting. And the casting, so the, the lady who plays um, our central character, Clara, um, she she's not the type of actress that you would go for if you're going to cast um, a, her as a, a disabled character who behaves like a child. She she doesn't like quite have the look that I think a lot of people would go for. There's a reason behind that um, because they need a moment with her which they wouldn't be able to achieve with other people. So she this like she's just she's she's slightly she's slightly too attractive. She's she's slightly too well toned mm. um, for all of these things. For someone who can barely move, um, she's she's obviously quite athletic and and you know and capable and able. Um, and yet we're watching her kind of shamble around a bit. I I didn't feel great about any of these choices watching this, but then like I, it makes sense because they need a particular moment, which would be a bit of a spoiler if I said it, um, that other people wouldn't be able to do. She has to do something that other people couldn't do, basically. Um, yeah, it was it was it was okay. I got bored, um, but I had a few. There were a few good moments in it, like the the quinceanera party. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Stuff with the beetle was great. They're by far my favorite scenes of a human being interacting with a beetle in any film we've watched in 2022, hands down. Uh, which one? John, Ringo, Paul? <laughs> I believe he's called like I- Igo or something or Ilgo. What's the name of the beetle? Is it the fifth beetle? It's, it's no, that's. Wait. <laughs> yeah. You're Sutcliffe. No. That's, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's yeah. She she calls it like ego or something. She finds this beetle that she becomes attached to, and she keeps and takes it around and shows it to people. I really like the beetle scenes in Clara Sola. They were in great. Smoking moments of the month, by the way. Smoking moments of the month have all got to be in com- compartment number six. Um, smoking moment of the month is probably Laura entering compartment number six, meeting Leo for the first time, and as he's talking to her, he's super drunk and he's waving his arms around. And he keeps knocking the cigarettes on various things and creating like all these flashes of sparks and stuff. Really, really, really evocative of when you're talking to that guy who's just too wasted outside the pub. Absolutely. As he's making making (laughs) points and terrifying everyone with his 500 degrees Fahrenheit cigarette flailing around everywhere. Um, Compartment number six is smoking moment of the month. I think compartment number six may be party of the month, even though it's really awkward as well. The party, oh, cracking party, yes, absolutely, and, it, and is, it's pop of the month as well. Is it is it party of the month in the Moscow apartment? That party, or are we doing party of the month? Are we doing the um, um, drinks with the lady at the Russian stopover? Where's where's our kind of party in compartment? Well, I do like the opening party because you can t- you, you can kind of see. You can see her awkwardness. Yes. It comes across really well. And I like the music in it as well, to be fair. And I love her, the her, decent music. So. Her not fitting into Russia is done. Correct. It's like, exactly the point with the whole thing. Like she's on this journey to go and discover A, what she is, what she, yeah, all the rest of it. And yeah. prop of the month, all the petroglyphs. <laughs> but, they're, but, they're barely, but they're barely in the film. Exactly. Like, and what are they? We still don't know. No, so, uh, just fascinating prop. Like what? Because the, obviously the central to the plot and everything. So yeah, petroglyphs. Yes. They are never ever shown. No, I mean, that I, is 
Yeah, that is the, mis- the most mysterious prop of the year, of course. So I had to get, as soon as this film finished, I was Googling it. I was like, what the hell? Absolutely. They are right there. They're right there where they are at the end of this movie. But you never see them. Um, I thought the prop of the month was going to be her video camera. Nah, it's too obvious. Um, oh, the petroglyphs. Right. <laughs> fair dudes, fair dudes. Uh, Right. That's it. Norwegian and, and Swedish cinema being in the pits, notwithstanding. <laughs> that yeah. was a relatively enjoyable and successful Scandinavian yeah. film episode of the year. But now, Ben, now the next time we meet after Christmas, which is always a weird thing for me to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And before we clock into 2023, we will meet again to discuss the final five films of the year. <laughs> the film of the year candidates 2022. We know what three of them are going to be. Plan 75, January, and compartment number six. We are now going to hang up our mics, wish the audience a very pleasant November slash early December, promise to meet with them at the end of Christmas towards Mm -hmm. the new year, Mm -hmm. where we will decide which two other films could potentially be nominated for film of 2022, and which one will actually win. So how exciting is that? Very, very. That's the and whilst I think we can, even at this stage, probably agree that the, the final lineup won't be as strong as last year. It will necessarily still be fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out on top. Mm. There will be a shock somewhere mm. along this line. So not necessarily how you think it's going to go or how, or how it goes. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to find out how it's going to go, you're going to have to come back. So happy Christmas to you all. <laughs> Have a very Merry Christmas to yourself, Ben. And to, and to we, you. We have a very serious conversation to have imminently. Uh, but until then, go and check out some of these films we've talked about today. They are fascinating and interesting. And we will see you for the award ceremony of the year. Outside Centre Film Podcast, Film of the Year 2022, very, very soon. Mm-hmm.